We're going to listen to some music. We're going to consider the reading we've heard and then listen on further to the account of the events of this day. In all of this, we're reliving a sequence of events from the Sunday before Passover, now celebrated as Palm Sunday. And I want us not to limit our thoughts to the stage directions, who was standing where, who said what, but to consider the emotions, either of the characters taking part or taking our imagination further, what would we have felt as observers or participants in these events? So first of all, I'd like to listen to a piece of music. entry into Jerusalem. The twelve apostles have seen and heard amazing things over the previous weeks, and here they are, on their way to Jerusalem. What are they expecting? What was Jesus expecting? The account of the procession is full of references to the Old Testament, the king arriving triumphant and victorious on a colt from Zechariah chapter 9 spreading their garments across the road as the crowd did when Jehu was made king in 2 Kings chapter 9. Singing, as we read earlier, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, from Psalm 118. And this psalm makes reference to the stone rejected by the builders, becoming the cornerstone, and the people laying branches down all the way to the altar. Simon, the mic's ringing. Could you turn it down a bit, please? It sounds as if the crowd are in full carnival mode. In no way is this a subtle arrival. 
one interesting point that I noted preparing for this was that this is the second time the Pharisees, or at least some of them, are concerned for Jesus and his entourage. In Luke 13, 31, they'd previously advised him to get away from Herod as he wanted to kill him. And now speaking directly to Jesus as teacher, in verse 39, they suggest he rebuke his disciples. Rebuke them for what? And and this reminds me of a primary school teacher who told me a story about being confronted by some children on starting in a new school. And the children came up and said to her, Miss, miss, tell him. Miss, tell him. Tell him what? She asked. No, miss, just tell him. There's an inference, but there's nothing explicit. So, could this rebuke have been for the noise and spectacle drawing attention to their arrival? Or their disturbance of others' peace? Or more likely, in my opinion, objecting to their reference directly and indirectly to Jesus as Messiah. And alongside this, I noted that this passage has the only reference by Jesus to himself as the Lord. So, an interesting passage in itself, and Jesus answers the Pharisees obliquely. If the crowd were silent then these inanimate stones would shout out. This is loud. This is triumphant. This is making a statement. And it probably fits with the crowds and possibly the apostles' anticipation of the promised Messiah achieving an equally spectacular outcome. So, if we head back to the music... changed dramatically the original theme is still there in the background but there's a much louder and discordant tone which has taken over so I'm going to ask Chloe now to come and continue our reading from verse 41 to the end of the chapter Um, the reading is from Luke chapter 19, verse 41 to 47. You can also find it on page 1054. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, If you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes, 
The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an, an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognise the time of God's coming to you. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began to drive out those who were selling. It is written, he said to them, My house will be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Every day he was teaching at the temple, but the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the leaders among the people were trying to kill him. This is anything but that of a carnival mood, the joyous mood of the triumphant entry. We move to Jesus' lament for Jerusalem, including scenes of graphic violence and destruction. And why? Because outside the triumphal group arriving with Jesus and those who supported him or who were attracted to his message, the general population, the priests and rulers, did not recognize God being present on earth in the person of Jesus. This change in mood is compounded on entry to the temple where the traders are busy selling temple paraphernalia and the equivalent of tourist mementos. Jesus demonstrates human emotion, anger, as Matthew reports Jesus turning over the tables. And so here we are, with sadness and righteous anger, at the beginning of the end, the final week of Jesus' mortal life. My sermon so far has concentrated on the words and actions reported in our readings from the Gospel. I've also made mention of moods, the tone of action, and emotions such as joy and anger. And thinking some more about these, the church year is punctuated by times and events with a variety of emotions. These seasons were and still are in some churches made obvious by the choice of colour for altar frontal and decorations. Edward and I are both equipped with purple frontals recognising Lent. Um, And Susan and I a couple of weeks ago visited a church which reminded me of my childhood. It had all the paraphernalia for flowers. It had stands on each side and at the front. And they were even more obvious because of their emptiness. So there are places and there are times when we are reminded of the changing seasons and emotions of the church year. Advent, anticipation, looking forward, Christmas, the birth of Christ, the celebration of a new child. Epiphany, the revelation that Jesus is the Messiah, an awesome message. Lent, a time of self-reflection. In fact, more anticipation. Palm Sunday often portrayed as a joyful celebration. Yet today I'm asking us to look beyond that to later that same day with sadness and sorrow. 
But you may say, we have a gospel of good news to proclaim. We have a saviour bringing us immeasurable personal benefits. Shouldn't every day be a celebration? In some ways, yes. Every day we have something to be thankful for. But if we make every day a carnival, that becomes the norm. How do we move from the norm to the very special? As an example again, many of us enjoy the sunshine and warm weather. In other countries, there are those fascinated by our seasons. In Southeast Asia, where the temperature is always around 30 degrees, no one considers asking how warm it's going to be today. The only question is, what time is it going to rain? And those people, some of those, are fascinated to ask questions about what's it like having seasons? What's it like when it's cold? What's it like when it's really hot? They love to actually have that difference, to be able to experience and appreciate the different possibilities. So my proposal now is that to celebrate the feast, we also need to experience the fast. Living through the challenging times, reflecting on Christ's journey to the cross, it's important to allow us to celebrate the outcome with even deeper feeling and meaning. In a symphony, we need the slow movement, the quiet, thoughtful piece, to allow the contrast with an allegro or a triumphal conclusion. I'll tell my own story, which I repeat from year to year, so I apologise in advance to those who've heard it before. It's an old story. It dates back to the 1980s. But it continues to be current because it affects me every year. And it relates to this week, around 2,000 years ago. The music we've heard is from The Passion by Adrian Snell. I lived with that presentation for a year or more, culminating in 10 weeks of performances around Europe. A couple of years later, I worked with Bradford Cathedral and a variety of other churches on a reenactment of Good Friday, the Way of the Cross, presented on wet Friday evening around Bradford City with 8,000 people following us. One night only with a dress rehearsal on Palm Sunday afternoon with about 3,000 people watching. But we'd worked and lived that performance, that remembrance, for six months previously. And then thirdly, setting up the technical presentation for a play called The King of Fools, a modern passion play that toured cathedrals around the UK before uh, uh, the run of performances at Greenbelt. Living with thinking about interpreting the passion over those periods of time provoked and continues to provoke really deep emotions within me, feelings that I can't put into words. So, as those of you who have identified and know Jesus to be Son of God, the Messiah, I invite you to travel with him through everything that comes his way during this week. Join with me in finding time for solemn reflection. Don't be afraid to feel emotional yourself or to ponder the feelings of all those involved in these events. 
If you've not yet found or are not convinced that this Jesus is God's son, the Messiah, a saviour, I encourage you too to follow the events of this coming week and see if God's spirit speaks to you in a personal way through thoughts, words and feelings. Now we've already heard, and I will repeat, I will reprise the notices, that there are events around the church and around the area that you can attend which may provide some reflection. Maundy Thursday, 8pm. Good Friday, music and meditation at 11. On Easter Saturday, um, a church that I've been helping at as I've studied as a reader at Newton, um, a, a choir combined from people from different parishes around the area, will be singing choral music, a reflection of readings and choral music for Holy Saturday at 6pm in Newton. And then next Sunday, services at 930 and at 11 and 6, services with communion. Take the advantage of everything that's available to you. And as with the intended anticipation that we have in Advent, let us journey with Christ and the twelve apostles through this coming week and see where it leads us. Let's pray. True and humble King, hailed by the crowd as Messiah, grant us the faith to know you and love you, that we may be found beside you on the way of the cross, which is the path of glory. Amen.